Welcome back, humans. Today, I have for you a meditation, again, from Magnificat. The meditation for the day for Friday, March 12th, at this recording that was almost two weeks ago. It was the third week of Lent for 2021. And, wonderfully enough, the meditation for the day was from a letter from St. Catherine of Siena. How do you like that? I like that. So the meditation is called The Greatest Commandment. And the meditation reads like this. But remember, we cannot attain such a great good as seeing God without first making an effort in this life to experience him through burning, blazing love, a love that attracts and embraces all the virtues. Anyone who has been wounded by the arrow of divine charity will not be lacking in virtue, and that charity is gotten at the table of the Most Holy Cross, where the spotless lamb is table, food, and waiter. Now how can we keep from loving our gentle Savior, when we see how much we have been loved by him. It is the character and way of love always to return love for love, and lover is transformed into beloved. So it is with the soul, Christ's bride, who sees herself loved by him. Let her show that she wants to make a return to him by returning his love. I mean, let her, because of her love, be willing to endure pain and dishonor for him. And she will thus be transformed and become one with him through love and desire. She will love God. She will love what God loves and hate what God hates. For she will see that the gentle Jesus found his greatest joy in enduring the burdensome cross for the love of the Father's honor and our salvation as one who relished souls. And we must relish them in the same way and conform ourselves with him. So let's run. Let's sleep no longer in the bed of apathy. Let's run to get to this true good. I'll say no more. Keep living in God's holy and tender love. Gentle Jesus, Jesus love. So again, this was a meditation taken from a letter that Catherine of Siena wrote. It does not say in the Magnificat which letter or who the letter was addressed to just says it's from her letters, from volume two of her letters that were translated by Suzanne Nofke. But from there, we'll move on to what the gospel reading was for that day. As you know, if you've been listening, I always read you then the gospel for the day because the meditation goes right along with it. The gospel for that day was from the gospel of Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34, which reads like this. One of the scribes came to Jesus and asked him, which is the first of all the commandments? Jesus replied, the first is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You are right in saying he is one, and there is no other than he. And to love him with all your heart, 
with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is worth more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered with understanding, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. So, what was the understanding that this young man that Jesus is talking to displays when he says, Loving our neighbor is greater than all burnt offerings. God is one, there is no other God but he, and we must love him with all of our heart and all of our understanding and all of our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves is greater and worth more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Anything else you could ever offer to God is not as great as loving him with your whole self and loving your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus sees that this young man understands the commandment. Good. He understands it. And so then, Catherine says, we should be willing to sacrifice for our neighbors once we see how much God has sacrificed for us. Now, in this gospel reading, this young man had not yet known that Jesus was going to sacrifice himself. All he knew was, when we love our neighbor as ourselves and we love God with our whole being, that is worth more than any other kind of sacrifice. That's all he knew. But then later on, we see Jesus sacrificing himself for our sins. And that's the perspective that Catherine of Siena has to see how much God loved us, that he would sacrifice his only son to redeem us from our sins. Then we should do likewise for our neighbor. When we experience the burning and blazing love of God, then we will want to suffer or will be willing to suffer for our neighbors. As she says, anyone who has been wounded by the arrow of divine charity will not be lacking in virtue. And that charity has gotten at the table of the most holy cross. So if you have been wounded by divine charity, that means you have seen and understood what God has done for us through Jesus. You've been wounded by that divine charity. And then you're not lacking in the virtue of charity that comes from eating at the table of the Holy Cross, watching that sacrifice, receiving that sacrifice that Jesus made, where she says, the spotless lamb, Jesus, is table, food, and waiter. Now, she's specifically talking, she's, she's blending the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross with the Mass, with receiving him in communion at the Mass, where the spotless lamb is the table, food, and waiter, and we receive him. When we see that charity that he has given for us, and then we eat him, because otherwise, why would she say that he is table, food, and waiter, unless she's talking about the Mass. So he, uh, he sacrificed himself, and then he gives himself to us. So she's saying, not only someone who has understood Jesus' sacrifice and believes that Jesus is God and that he died for us on the cross to redeem us from our sin, 
not just that, but also receiving him as food. Receiving him in the Eucharist. Receiving him at Holy Mass. That is how you will be wounded by the arrow of divine charity. When you recognize his sacrifice and then you receive him in communion, then you will not be lacking in the virtue of charity. And you will be strong enough to give that charity to others. To love others in the way that Jesus has loved us. To be willing to endure pain and dishonor for him, for Jesus, primarily, and thus be transformed and become one with him through love and desire. She will love what God loves and hate what God hates. She will see that the gentle Jesus found his greatest joy in enduring the burdensome cross for the love of the Father's honor and our salvation. So let us run. Let us be willing to sacrifice ourselves for his love. What's more is, this is also seen in the dialogue. As I've said in previous episodes, or one previous episode, I said that everything that Catherine of Siena wrote to someone else in her letters can be found in the dialogue. She first received it from God, and then she gave it to someone else. So where is this referenced in the dialogue? It is on page 33 in the Suzanne Nofke translation. The section is the way of perfection. It's the very first section after the prologue that's titled the way of perfection. And God says to Catherine, I would have you know that every virtue of yours and every vice is put into action by means of your neighbors. If you hate me, you harm your neighbors and yourself as well, for you are your chief neighbor. And the harm is both general and particular. I say general because it is your duty to love your neighbors as your own self. Oh, there it is. It is your duty to love your neighbors as your own self. In love, you ought to help them spiritually with prayer and counsel and assist them spiritually and materially in their need. And he's talking about the works of mercy. At least with your goodwill, if you have nothing else. If you have nothing else to give them materially, at least with your goodwill, give them that. If you do not love me, you do not love your neighbors, nor will you help those you do not love. But if you, but it is yourself you harm most. So it's practical there. If you don't love God, you're not going to love your neighbors. And if you don't love your neighbors, you're not going to help them. Makes sense. But it is you yourself you harm most when you do this. When you live in this state, it is you, you yourself you harm most. Because you deprive yourself of grace. And you harm your neighbors by depriving them of the prayer and loving desires you should be offering to me on their behalf. Every help you give them ought to come from the affection you bear them for love of me. So God is saying you will receive grace when you help, your, when you help neighbors, when you love them as you love yourself. You will receive grace. If you don't do that, you're depriving yourself of grace. And you're depriving your neighbor of the good that would be bestowed on them. Because every help you give them ought to come from the affection you bear them for love of me. So you can trace that back to then you don't love God. In the same way, every evil is done by means of your neighbors. For you cannot love them if you do not love me. 
The only way you're going to love your neighbors is by loving God. And if you don't love your neighbors, then it's clear you don't love God. This lack of charity, God says, for me and for your neighbors is the source of all evils. For if you are not doing good, you are necessarily doing evil. Let me repeat that. If you are not doing good, you are necessarily doing evil. And to whom is this evil shown and done? First of all, to yourself, and then to your neighbors. Not to me, for you cannot harm me, except insofar as I count whatever you do to them as done to me. You do yourself the harm of sin itself, depriving yourself of grace, and there is nothing worse you can do. You harm your neighbors by not giving them the pleasure of the love and charity you owe them, the love with which you ought to be helping them by offering me your prayer and holy desire on their behalf. Such is the general help that you ought to give to every reasoning creature. It jumps out immediately when he says, If you are not doing good, you are necessarily doing evil. So it's not enough for us to say, well, I'm not actively harming that person. I'm not going and slapping them or punching them. I'm not speaking evil about them to others. I'm not saying mean things to their face. Well, that's wonderful. But are you saying good things about them? Are you praying for them? Are you willing to endure the awkwardness that comes with telling them the truth? See, if you're not doing these good things for them, then you are necessarily doing evil. It may not be visible evil, but you're still doing evil. And the church calls this the sin of omission. We have the sin of commission, where you actually do something evil. And then we have the sin of omission, where you fail to do something good. That's what God is pointing out here. It's not enough to say, well, I'm not actively hurting them. You're still doing evil if you're not doing good for them. And he also says, every virtue is achieved by way of your neighbors, and every evil is done by way of your neighbors. Every virtue of yours and every vice is put into action by means of your neighbors. You can't harm him. You can't do anything for God. He has everything. You can't take anything away from God. It's too powerful. So every virtue and every vice is put into action by means of your neighbors. It's fascinating stuff. So that's why Catherine then says in her letter that we must run. We must run to love God for what he has done for us. And we must follow this commandment to love our neighbors. But, she says, the only way you're going to do that is if you've been wounded by the arrow of divine charity. If you have, like the young man in the gospel, come to understanding. If you have come to understand what God has done for you in the death of Jesus, then you will do these things. Then you will be strengthened to do these things. Another interesting little piece in the Magnificat it gives for that for that Mass, there's a little short explanation at the beginning, right before you get into the prayers and the readings. Right at the top it says, Wisdom, understanding, and prudence are gifts of the Holy Spirit that enable us to know the commandments of the Lord, to see reality in their light, and to act accordingly. The scribe answers Jesus with understanding. 
the same understanding of him who is wise and prudent. To be close to the kingdom of God, then, is to activate these gifts in love, with our eyes fixed on the verdant cypress tree, the cross, from which comes the saving fruit we eat and bear. Fascinating. That little explanation, right before we get into the Mass, summarizes everything that Catherine of Siena just said. Keep your eyes fixed on the cross, you understand what God has done for you, and you eat the fruit. Eat and bear the fruit that comes from that cross. The saving fruit we eat and bear. That fruit is Jesus' body that you eat in communion. You must do these things. It's not enough to just read the Bible and say, okay, I understand. Jesus died for me. I believe that. I accept this truth. I'm going to love him and I'm going to love other people. I'm going to do good for them. I'm going to pray for them. Those are all very good things, but he makes it very clear. You must eat his flesh if you really want to do these things. If you want to have the strength to really do these things, to really love your neighbor, to really offer that sacrifice that will help your neighbor, you must eat the fruit of the cross. This is comparing the cross to a tree, a verdant cypress tree, and the fruit hanging on that tree is Jesus. Jesus dying on that cross is the fruit hanging on that tree. And we must eat it and bear it. Bear it within ourselves. When you eat it, Jesus lives within you. You bear him to others. It's all over the place. It's made very clear here. And it's made very clear in the dialogue, and it's made very clear in then what Catherine shares in her letter. And again, this young man in the gospel, the scribe, didn't know any of that stuff. But he understood that when we sacrifice ourselves, it is worth more than any other burnt offering or sacrifices. Why do we sacrifice ourselves? Why do we endure pain and suffering for other people? Because it's the example given us by Jesus. This man, this scribe in the gospel, is just beginning to understand that our own sacrifice of ourselves is more important. He speaks that very clearly. And then it's taken a step further when we see that Jesus sacrificed himself, all of himself, every drop of his blood, every piece of his flesh, every breath in his lungs was sacrificed, and it was worth far more than any other sacrifice. And with that as our model, we sacrifice all of ourselves to God first and for love of our neighbors. And when we do that, as God says in the dialogues, in the dialogue, we first help ourselves because any evil that is done is first done to ourselves when we sin. And any good that is done, the grace is first bestowed on ourselves. And then it is bestowed on those we are doing it for those who we are offering it for. Again, to recap, that meditation was on the greatest commandment for the gospel reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. 
where the scribe asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? There's two parts to that greatest commandment, to love God with all of yourself and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then there are two parts to the way the Catholic Church unpacks this. You recognize the suffering of Jesus. You recognize the sacrifice he made for you, for love of you. And then you are willing to endure the same or similar sacrifices and sufferings for your neighbor because you can't add anything to God but you can help your neighbor. And by helping your neighbor, you help yourself. So you first recognize Jesus' suffering, its redemptive quality, that it was done for you. You are willing to then endure similar sufferings because of that model. And you eat of that fruit in order to fully consummate, to complete the sacrifice. You eat of that fruit. So your two parts are, one, to see the sacrifice, recognize it, understand it, take it in yourself and be willing to do it. Those are all one part. And the other part is eat that fruit to complete it, to complete that sacrifice. Eat that fruit. We must do that. It's not enough to just recognize it and say, oh yes, I'm willing to do that. We have to actively eat it. Just like in the the letter of James, where he says it is not enough to just say to someone, oh, I hope that you keep warm and well-fed, but you don't actually give them a coat or buy them a meal. We have to do both. We have to know it with our minds, will it with our hearts, and do it with our bodies. With that being said, I will close this meditation with a prayer that was written by Catherine of Siena. This prayer is titled, Make My Heart Big, Not Stingy. And it reads like this. You light, make the heart simple, not two-faced. You make it big, not stingy. So big that it has room in its loving charity for everyone. With well-ordered charity, it seeks everyone's salvation. And because light is never without prudence and wisdom, it is ready to give its body up to death for the salvation of a neighbor's soul, but will not give its soul up to sin. For we are not allowed to commit the least sin even to save the whole world, if that were possible, since it is not right to offend the Creator who is all good, for the benefit of creatures who are nothing by themselves. But for a neighbor's physical good, such a heart will give up its material possessions. Such a heart is so open that it is false to no one. Everyone can understand it because it never says something different with its face or tongue from what is it has within. It shows that it has truly been stripped of its old garment and is clothed in the new garment of your will. So our cruelty, eternal Father, springs from our failure to see the compassion you have shown our souls by buying them back with your only begotten Son's precious blood. Let us, not be, let us not continue to be cruel to ourselves and to others. Let us recognize that compassion that God has for us. And let us eat worthily. Come and eat of that fruit. Mm-hmm.